0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. What's the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Cause I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it
1: PG 13. Today is Sunday, September 16th, 2018. And this is Celtic Speed here on CLNS Media. The leading online provider of audio video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Evan Valenti filling in for Adam Kaufman here on this Sunday in episode 280. Featuring the Athletics' Jared Weiss is brought to you by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics. Use the promo code CELTICS to get $50 off select mattresses, terms, and conditions apply. Episode 280 is also brought to you by Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area. At its core, and in Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, Aaron Baines. Ask for my man, Roy. I'll hook you up. That was uh, Hayward's barber, by the way. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction to the hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company, 113 Salem Street in the North End. Um, but before we even get into some Celtic stuff, I just want you're you're kind of a you have uh, you're a man of many trades. I'd say you have like a lot of interests, <laughs> you know. And I think you have some of. And then you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Jared. You have some of an interest in like the tech world. If I, oh, did, sure. Did you watch the Apple event uh, the other day? I know, was it Wednesday?
0: I was able to watch like half of it. Yeah. Um, I turned I tuned in for the home court demonstration. That's, that's what where
1: I, that's there. where I'm headed. What we got to right. figure out what shooting app or device. We're going to go with like the the Steve Nash app. I saw this like shooting cube thing That <laughs> is like one of the most outrageous things of all time. You have Al Horford's family has a has an app on the phone that you can also download and and, and get on your phone to make you a better shooter. What are we going with as like a as a group of people? Because we should all get on the same boat. I think same page.
0: I mean, I'm a home court dude. It's uh the technology behind it's pretty remarkable that they use AR to identify anchor points on your body just by filming you. I mean, you know, that kind of technology is really revolutionary and you know, props to Apple for really pushing it out there. It's like they said that this was gonna be their thing when they were pushing out the iPhone X and it really took off. And at first, you know, when they first started doing it, the apps that they had out there were like you could put your camera or you could like point the camera places in the room and you'd see like little dinosaurs and like stupid stuff like that or cool stuff like it can measure stuff in your room. But now it's like actual physical performance being measured. The fact that not only could they tell you if you're making the shot or not, which I thought was really cool, but that it was doing something that we are able to do pretty commonly for golfers. Where you have like TrackMan Pro and golf, where it like shows like all the data of like your launch angle and the speed that the ball's moving, the spin of the ball, and all that kind of stuff. And now you can do that for basketball with that home court app. I mean, that's that's remarkable. It's a it's a complete game changer for. You know, youth development for training um, for it, it just it increases access to high end training to pretty much anybody that can get an iPhone or get somebody has a friend with an iPhone.
1: Yeah, it's like it's not like the NBA or NBA teams haven't had something like this in place. Like the first thing I thought of when I was watching it was can somebody get this to market smart ASAP and maybe we can really you know fix the shooting problem. Maybe we don't need Drew Hanlon to fix Marcus smarts shooting problem. We well, should Steve Nash in the app.
0: Actually, they have. Uh, the Celtics were the first team to use it, believe it or not. when it was In a beta stage. It was either them or the Sixers hmm. were the first. I don't uh, know that. Oh, you know what? My Alexa doesn't know that, apparently. How do I turn off Alexa during a live podcast? Do I don't know. Be? But, but Alexa
1: go. Alexa apparently doesn't even know uh, if the Celtics were the first team to use it. But, and that's the one thing with the C's. Like, you've been around it. Um, you know in, in much more than I have obviously because you're you're in the area and have been covering the seas forever, it seems like at this point um, but they they are one of the the not the pioneers but one of the teams that uses technology to their to their uh, advantage more than most other teams at well, least started using it earlier. what are they can you give us a little inside scoop of what they might do uh, in addition to that to kind of like you know bring this team into the 21st century?
0: Uh, well, I mean, the Celtics have always been good about um, trying to be involved with a lot of applications that are being developed and wearables that are being developed. Um, when, you know, uh, whoop is like a, a really popular uh, wearable throughout the league that measures a lot of impact performance data that teams have been using for years now. And Brian Dew, was it Brian Dew or Ed Lissert, um the, the trainers, the previous trainers of the team, they were on the board of it. It actually was uh, headquartered. Officially, down the street from where I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts, ironically, uh, and was you know was kind of developed in the area. So there's you know a lot of Boston has kind of positioned itself as a Silicon Valley East. So there's been a lot of um, wearables and athletic training technology being developed here, and the Celtics have been investing in a lot of those companies or have been involved with the development of a lot of those companies. So it's allowed them to get early access to beta testing and kind of designing those applications.
1: Yeah, I think it's Bidu That's actually the head of one of those companies. I've, I, he's got yeah, he's got it. his hands in a couple of different things actually. And I miss Brian. Brian is he was a great uh, just personality to have on the sideline and have. Like, his in his uh, custom handshakes with Kyle or are, one, are stuff legend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, to have your trainer have, like, a personal handshake with everybody on the bench shows you um, how, how much he's loved by the organization. But they've obviously turned things around and gone a different direction. Jared, let me get your opinion on this because I think we've been on this for a bit. But for your estimation, in your estimation, when did we finally or officially hit there's nothing going on and we have to talk about something because the NBA has become a 12-month-a-year sport? Like, this whole debate over the starting lineup is driving me nuts. This whole argument over the top 100 players in the NBA like, oh, Al Horford's ranked one spot higher than Kyrie Irving. Let's debate that till we're blue in the face. Like, I am just so ready for the for season to be here. And in your estimation, Jared, when do we finally hit that like we literally are running out of things to talk about stage?
0: Usually it's the second week of August is where like there's no more fallout from moves that are happening anymore. And that's what we're getting to that point that we're getting desperate for content. And I mean, this off season has managed to still still fill everything. I mean, we have the Jabari Bird case that we we're gonna to get to a little bit later. Um, there's, you know, always rumors of Kyrie going to the Knicks, which are actually pretty legit as far as I'm concerned. So You think you they know, are? You think that's uh, they, legit? I, I think they are, but I just – I don't think he's going to do it. But okay. I think that there's a clear draw for him towards the Knicks. Because well, he's from um, New Jersey? Is Or he played high he, school basketball in New Jersey? Yeah, he values New York a lot more in a unique way. Um, but so the you – know, this offseason I think was pretty entertaining throughout. And we maybe had a two-week period where it was completely quiet, which was great because I was on vacation for a lot of that period. And I'm glad I got to enjoy it. Uh, but, you know – by once Labor Day comes, the teams, you know, the players start coming back. They start doing media appearances and that's when things are to slowly rev up. So that started happening last week. So we're just kind of in that point now where like these guys are making public appearances uh, and you're going to have a lot more content just coming out of that. And, you know, credit to all the guys on Twitter for starting the, uh, the lineup debate because that became a big thing. And there were – I guess there were beat reporters uh, that were taking cues from that because I had to skip Hayward's press conference because I was working the uh, the Jabari case at the courthouse all day. But apparently somebody actually asked him about whether he – feels like he's going to be in the starting lineup. I don't know where that came from, but, you know, there's a lot of reporters out there that will take their cues from whatever the Twitter debate is. So uh, whoever – I can't remember who started that debate, whether it was like Bernadone or Kungu or one of those guys, but they uh, they did their job. They definitely did their job.
1: Well, I mean, Celtics basketball, I mean, we're all starving for it because, again, it's, it, we only got five minutes of real, like, Actual, this is what this team is supposed to look like. Basketball, and then when Gordon went down, it's been just kind of the tease ever since. And we're all sitting here waiting with bating breath for for Gordon to come back. And he had his press conference. You mentioned it uh, at the new practice facility, right? They did it. They did the new one, and uh, they had all 18s all over the place. And everybody's focused for this year. Have you like we? There's been the rumor out there that he has played five on five a couple of times. Have you heard anything about that?
0: Yeah, I think he got involved with a couple runs with Drew Hanlon. Um, so yeah he's played some 5 on 5. I don't know how extensive those runs were. So I think that's definitely a big variable there. You know, it's one thing if you can play 5 on 5 for 10 minutes, no problem or play to you know play to 11 or play to 21, but playing a full, you know, 48-minute game is obviously a lot different cuz he's probably going to have His conditioning is not going to be where he wants it to be probably. Um, He might be dealing with soreness in the ankle that's going to flare up from playing extensive minutes, which is why I wouldn't – I don't know if there's – I don't know what their plans are obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's on like a 20-minute limit for the first month of the season or something along those lines. So, you know, you shouldn't expect Gordon Hayward to be – like you you shouldn't expect the first play of the season is going to be him going up for an alley-oop. You know, it's like they're going to have to pace it a little bit. And they're probably not going to play him until he feels that he can do everything on the court that he wants to do. But I expect him to get there by the start of the regular season. It just be it just might be that they have to hold him back a little bit and not play him 30 minutes a night.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're going to really play anybody 30 minutes a night if they can avoid it. I mean, that's the one thing about this team is going to be depth, and I'll, we'll talk on that in a little bit. But. I mean, I, we're all. I mean, everybody's ecstatic for Gordon Hayward to come back at this point. We're all just, you know. Again, I when you pictured what they looked like and when you saw them in the preseason and they and they again the stories you read and the, the quotes you hear about how they the, the tra- they had a great training camp before they even got into the preseason and the preseason. You know, I went to that first game at, at the Mullen Center at UMass. They played the Seventy Sixers, and I was sitting with Lucky's Pipe. Actually, we're sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, man, this team is operating at a level that i did not think they'd be operating at the first preseason game of the year um you know when when, when gordon does come back i do think he'll get eased into things i think that this is the perfect team for him in terms of depth on the wing to to again ease him in and get him good 20 minutes 25 minutes but not strain him a little bit and when i see gordon come back like the first thing i'm looking for is confidence like cutting in the basket and how confident he look there And is he he schemish? Can he explode off both feet? Does he explode off one feet? That's what I'm looking for. When he hits the the court for the first time, Jared, what are you looking for? What are you looking to see see if he's really that 100% back as he's claiming to be potentially?
0: I guess the big thing is, like, is he going to drive into traffic? Will he drive at a player under the rim? Is he going to go up for rebounds? You know, things along those lines. It's how – how much is he willing to go out into the air and put, you know, put himself up the chance? So that's those, I think, are the main areas of hesitancy. Um, of course, if he's able to do like a hard crossover out of, you know, out, like out of a cut where he's really planting his right foot and really stretching it out, you know, really testing that ankle. Those are the things that you're looking for to see if you can handle. But like running up and down the floor is an issue. He's also, to his credit, he's kind of like a smooth gliding type of mover. You know he's not somebody that's doing like hard staccato movements or is like trying to like you know like stop and start really hard just to throw somebody off and break their ankles and that kind of thing. He's someone that kind of likes to smoothly glide around a corner, kind of take you know curving angles towards the hoop. So it's more conducive, I think, to recovering from an ankle injury because you know it's not like he's Derrick Rose. Who had those severe knee injuries and then had to go back to being this like super, you know, hyper movement player? Yeah, you know, his he, his game is more conducive to recovering from this.
1: Yeah, and I I agree with you on that. And one of okay, he's not Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, prime Derrick Rose, was the guy that just attacked the basket relentlessly and used a lot of his explosion and athleticism to get there, and then would finish with just uh, absolute authority. And it was always it's one of the saddest cases in in, in recent NBA history of, of him just kind of falling off a, off a table and off a cliff, so to speak. Quick break from Jared Weiss to tell you guys today's show is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best sleep one night at a time. You spend one third of your life sleeping. Why be uncomfortable? Casper products are designed with you in mind. Everything they make supports any type of body. Not sure what mattress is right for you? Start with the original Casper. With over 20,000 reviews, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. The Casper is equipped with multiple supportive memory foams and it regulates your body temperature throughout the night. And Casper sells you more than just mattresses. They also sell sheets and pillows to ensure a better overall sleep experience. They do it all at affordable prices because they sell directly to you. And you can be sure if your purchase with Casper's is 100-night risk-free sleep on it trial. If you don't like it, no sweat. Free shipping and returns to customers in the U.S. and Canada. What are you waiting for? Get $50 off select mattresses by going to Casper.com slash Celtics. Use that promo code Celtics at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And one more time, 50 bucks off select mattresses by going to casper.com slash celtics and using that promo code celtics at checkout back to jared like again i i when it comes to hayward like i know people are going to be super excited as soon as he hits the floor but you have to temper expectations a little bit but i think that this this whole other narrative that people are forgetting how good gordon hayward was i don't know if i'm getting that like i i think i mean some people are I mean, the people that i listen to are are in that direction like i i I don't think we're forgetting how good Gordon is when you add a guy like this to a roster that's already loaded. Like, it's just they're going to win 60-plus games, no problem, no sweat, Even if, as long as there aren't any injury problems with the guys that they've already had. But, like, with Gordon, you know, what does he add when he comes back? A guy that can space the floor, A, that can run their offense, B, and is a really good defender, C. So he's basically legitimately the perfect wing player for this system. And I, and again, I can't wait to see what it looks like when he comes back. Speaking of can't see, can't wait to see what it looks like. One of our favorite players, at least one of my favorite players in the NBA right now, Jason Tatum, um, in year two, like, what does he, what does he have when he comes back? Jalen Brown year three, that I think is more important to long-term future. This team than Gordon Hayward. Am I crazy on that?
0: No, I mean, those guys are, they're hoping that they can evolve in the top 20 players. You can make an argument that Hayward probably is already a top 20 player. in fact, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Rob Mahoney basically said he was in his uh, write-up for the SI Top 100, but because of the injury placed him outside of it. So, yeah, I mean Tatum obviously looks like he is projecting towards being a top 10 player potentially at some point in his prime. And I think uh, people seem to quickly say that Tatum is clearly better than Jalen Brown. I covered the team last year and I watched everything that they did and I talked to them about it, pretty much everything that they did. And I think that both of those players are pretty even, you know, Tatum is a rookie. So you have that advantage, but I mean, Jalen Brown is a really good all around offensive player. He isn't quite the ball handler that Tatum is, Uh, is pretty, I'd say pretty comparable as a shooter. Although Tatum is statistically better last year. I think they're pretty close. And he can finish I think his finishing capability is actually probably right there where Tatum is now, uh, but Jalen moves better off the ball than Tatum does, and then, as a defender, Jalen's a better defender at this point, he's a better on ball defender, so it's like both both of those guys have you know they both of them could be top ten players, they definitely could and maybe the ceiling's a little bit higher with Tatum just because his all-around offensive game is a little bit more potent but like those are the two guys that those could be the those two guys right there could be the foundation of a title contender for the next decade or so and Hayward is like the ultimate glue guy and i always go back to i think it was Shannon Sharp that was calling him a role player Maybe they were calling Horford a role player. I can't remember, but they're both, like, similar in this regard. And
1: he called out Hayward for it, and I slant, yeah. I played the clip, and it was a subject speed a couple of weeks ago. I played the clip in, in pieces. I stole that, actually, from Adam Kaufman. He does that a lot, and I think it's a great thing to do. So I I played, like, bits and pieces of his monologue there where he was talking about how Hayward, like, uh Isn't isn't like a he's a a role player? I'm like yeah, a role player that he's good at everything. Like how, he's he is a superb role player. Because and then the entire if you look at it this way, like the entire Celtics team is a team of quote unquote role players outside of Kyrie. Like Kyrie's the only quote unquote like superstar on the team, but they're high end role players, which makes them super. Like isn't Clay Thompson a role player then? If that's the definition we're going with,
0: yep, it's exactly it. So. That and I think it's that's a good distinction, but it's not necessarily false. It's that basically, to a layman like uh, Sharp, who's not like an NBA expert, that pretty much any player who isn't an elite scorer is a role man or uh, is a role player. And so, Hayward is actually a really good score. He could be a twenty. What was he like a twenty-two point score? In Utah the year before, so like he is a he is a top tier scorer, but he's not he's not necessarily like a remarkable game breaking scorer. But he just does a little bit of everything very very well. So in a way, he is kind of like a role player in that he could fit into pretty much any role, and he can kind of just give the team what they need. Just like Horford, Horford is like the ultimate role player imaginable. Horford isn't a scorer, and he I think it, this applies way more to Horford really than does a Hayward because Hayward can still get you twenty whenever he wants and does it very frequently, while Horford doesn't very often do it. But it's like with Horford, he's doing all those little things, kind of really epitomizing what a role player is. But he does it at an all-NBA level. He does it at a level where he's basically like a top 15 player in the NBA. And, you know, nowadays, Draymond Green is the exact same way. Draymond Green's scoring numbers aren't that great, but Draymond Green is obviously one of the best players in the NBA. We're just finally at the point in our understanding of basketball where we can appreciate role players as being the most important players because as part of a balanced ecosystem, you have your elite scores like Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kyrie Irving complemented by guys like Hayward and Horford that does every other thing to make sure that they cover their bases and are actually like the perfect offense. Yeah.
1: And I, I just, I find it funny that people criticize Hayward for like being good at everything, but not great at one thing. But I'm like, even with that, like you hear about how his three point percentage is, could be improved again we have to see it but whenever you work with Drew Halen usually your three point percentage tends to go up um and again it's a guy that sees the floor very well his IQ is huge so i again i'm 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 thrilled that he's you know back 100% has his his feet on an NBA floor is taking shots has run a couple of you know whether it's again like you said first of 21 or 11 or actually played some like 10 minutes of 5 on 5 action that's that's spectacular I think Nicole Yang on Twitter tweeted out the other day that he's played It was during that press conference that you were at the Jabari Bird thing, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, she tweeted out that he had played – four games of five on five which is which is awesome another break from jared to tell you today's show is also brought to you by boston barber and tattoo company every neighborhood has a heartbeat a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core and in boston's historic north end that place is boston barber and tattoo company boston barber and tattoo company has become home to a-list boston celebrities like gordon hayward milan lucic brad marshall aaron baines Boston Barber Tattoo Company is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction to the hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. And then you have a cappuccino bar in back. Check it out. It's awesome. Go down there, 113 Salem Street in the North End, and it's Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Back to Jared. Um, The Jabari Bird stuff is really messy, and I, waited to, I wanted to get half the podcast out of the way just so we could kind of do a lot on this. And you were at... You know, the press conference, you've seen, you've, you, I think you we're the first person to tweet out the actual, like, court documents um, of what the official, like, charge from, like, the, the police report and all that stuff. Take us through what the past couple of days have been like for you trying to get, you know, leads on this story, try to break everything down and figure out what the hell's really going on here.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this was just going back to when the DA first announced the plan for the charges. The thing that was really confusing at first was that. The, what the charges that they announced of the listing of a like kidnapping, strangulation, domestic assault. So the category of if you go to like the Massachusetts state website, the category for overall domestic abuse is is that that's like the header for it. So when I saw that, I was assuming that they're going to file a assault assault battery against a household member charge under this category, and that it's not going to be as severe as. What was actually listed there, so I thought that that was going to be a a misreporting, and then, you know, as the week went on, I started to hear actually it really is all of those charges, and it's actually a lot more severe than you're expecting because, when we hear a domestic violence um, issue or you know an event, it tends to be like that, like it was like that they started slapping each other or that they were pushing each other and there was grabbing and and you know the victim got bruised or. Like the Willie Reed case where he dragged his wife by the hair and I don't think he was beating on her necessarily but just was like obviously assaulting her. But just it wasn't like a very violent attack necessarily but I could be wrong. I don't remember the details well. But you don't expect it to be a severely violent attack. And then you read the details of the case in Jabari Bird and uh, it was so gruesome and graphic and disturbing. This is not this is not a standard domestic assault this is this is a systematic torture basically over the course of 4 hours based on what the victim has said and it's very important at just at the outset to acknowledge that while we do give the benefit of the doubt to the acute uh, to who the victim who is making the accusations these are allegations everything contained in the police report about what occurred during the attack is what the victim was telling the police officer and the bird at least gets a benefit of the doubt of due process. So there will be due process here and hopefully we'll be able to get truth and evidence out into the open to know what actually happens. And bird is claiming that there's another side to the story. It's really hard to imagine what the other side to the story is. Um, but what she said was that over the course of four hours that they were going through, uh, they were in a fight because he was having trust issues with her. Um, And she also to note, even at the outset to set the frame for this event is that she says that he's been dealing with anxiety issues. So, and also another important variable is that he did not, he was drug tested and it came back negative. So a lot of the stuff that seems like it's some sort of massive bipolar episode that you could think maybe it was because of drugs, he tested negative for drugs. So this was just purely from a, just a, a mental rage trigger from him. So, he grabbed her by the neck and then slammed her head into the wall, which is why he's being charged with assault with a deadly weapon because he was smashing her head into the wall. And the doctor's examination seemed to corroborate this. They don't say that specifically, but they note that she had internal bleeding behind her ear, bleeding in her ear. Her eye was bloodshot, seems to indicate that her head was slammed into the wall. And then over the course of four hours, which would uh, asphyxiate her and suffocate her by grabbing her by the throat, wait until she would start to pass out, give her a few minutes to catch her breath, and then would start choking her again, which is – you know, torture as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. in the in this legal case it's strangulation and assault and felony assault and battery. And so that's that's really disturbing. This isn't like a, you know, like you, you're in an argument and it gets a little physical and you all of a sudden just snap and you hit them. This is a systematic torture over the course of four hours, which is. Very, very disturbing, and you know disturbing at a unique level that I think this is going to be treated d- different than any case that we've seen in recent memory um and that's the thing that really made me pause and take a minute because it was just really disturbing and so over the course of the four hours, it says that, according to the victim she he was strangling her about a about a dozen times or Bart would strangle her about a dozen times in this manner. And that at one point she completely lost consciousness, which means that she was close to dying. I think it's like about – takes like 30 seconds of strangulation usually to make someone pass out and then about a minute to a minute 30 to actually kill them. So it wasn't that far from actually murdering her or choking her out to the point that she could have had brain damage and it could have been a life ruining event. So, I mean, the fine line here between hers uh, apparently not having any severe injuries that we know of at this point, um, although they were wait- – uh, according to the police report, they were still waiting for the results of a CAT scan uh, upon the um, time that the report was written. But it appeared that she didn't have any serious injuries Um, And then so going back to where we were before, so apparently she woke up from underneath his bed, poked her head out and she claims that he grabbed her and then started kicking her in the stomach repeatedly and we don't know if she suffered any sort of severe injuries. There, it wasn't mentioned in the report yet. Yeah, it's just. And I, think I, that, I mean,
1: I, it's just it's terrible. Like I can't even listen to you like list off all this stuff anymore. It's yeah, just, it's awful.
0: I'll, I'll I'll jump ahead because it, yeah. it really is painful. Yeah, I, I, uh,
1: I, I, and, I'm getting sick just listening to it.
0: And I mean, I'm, yeah. I
1: like you, Jared. Trust me, but like I just, I can't listen to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I can tell you, man. I I cover the Celtics. I cover basketball, and right. while it was really fascinating and kind of exciting and interesting, covering court for a day. Um, this topic was devastating. Yeah, it and was you saw the
1: Celtics, uh, the statement they released. I thought was the one of the best uh, statements we've seen from a team in this sort of scenario. Like, I, I mean, how many times do we have to watch the NFL and college football like botch this and and like not and and just basically throw out like a press release that it, it makes it seem like they don't care. Like the first line of the Celtics statement is like we are deeply concerned and like uh, for the victim in this entire thing, which I thought was, again, great. You know, thinking of somebody else for once is, is something that's really great. And, and it's just, it's gross. It's disgusting. I'm glad that, you know, the Celtics have taken steps to make sure that she's going to be okay. um, And then letting, You know the league and law enforcement kind of figure this out and help when they need to to do so. Like whenever they need to, you know, lend a hand here or there, they're obviously willing to to help that out. In terms of, you know, what is the next step for the Celtics? Like, you, there's just no way. I mean, look, I don't know what the steps are, and you and I talked about this earlier. Maybe you can, you can, you know, uh, help me through this. Like, Jabari Bird cannot be on the roster anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really care how this ends up happening. Like, he just. He can't be on the roster anymore. I, I know he's he's got some sort of side of his story, but like this is gruesome stuff. All the stuff that has come out seems to be corroborated with the medical report, as you went through uh, uh, in great detail. Like he just Jared, he can't be on the roster anymore. He he's he's it's it's just disgusting. What and I understand like we're in an era of of what is um, a good conversation about mental health um, in the NBA specifically. Like that the Jackie Mack stuff that came out earlier this summer was a, just a great foray into that particular segment. We've seen. Um, we've seen Demar uh, DeRozan talk about it, we've seen Kevin Love talk about it. Like This is a real big issue, not just in football, but maybe in sports altogether. And maybe the NBA taking a stance on this and saying, yeah, these guys, like we have to make sure our guys are not only in great physical shape, but in great mental shape as well. So instances like this, um, we can avoid future instances like this because n- there, none of this stuff should be tolerated at any level, whether it's basketball, football, life in general, like this is – this is terrible stuff to hear. And and if you're the Celtics, you have to find a way to distance yourself from Jabari. But from what we, I can gather from you, because again, you were kind of educating me before this podcast started. Like this is going to get a little messy here.
0: Yeah. I would go with messy, but it's, they're generally not supposed to cut the player right away. And you can make exceptions to that. And you know, an, an interesting one that I remember is Aaron Hernandez. And, if you're someone that lives in New England, I think everybody remembers when they heard the news that Aaron Hernandez was getting cut, and there was some sort of weird, mysterious, just like angst around it. There was just something wasn't right. And then three hours later, he was being arrested for murder. And you know this this isn't a murder charge, but like I detailed before, it got it could have gotten very close to being murder. I mean this was this was an extreme, heinous act allegedly. It's very important that we maintain allegedly because he is entitled to the due process here to defend himself in whatever context he wants to claim. I don't even know what that's going to be. Maybe they're going to claim that it was like a BDSM thing that went out of hand. Definitely doesn't sound like it. It sounds way more severe than that. So whatever the case may be, the new domestic violence policy, I think a big part of the goal of that was to centralize authority and standards to the league office so that the league office – didn't have to be at the behest of teams trying to decide how they want to respond to this so that they could be hyper aggressive in responding. Now, the only other case we have under the domestic violence policy is Willie Reed who was with the Clippers, got in a fight with his wife who wanted to divorce, divorce him and dragged her by her hair and hit her. Excuse me, and hit her. She did not press charges. He entered the domestic violence treatment program was fully cooperative in the program, and so at the end of the program, they levied what was only a six-game suspension on them, which I think people were frustrated with, but at the same time, it, he cooperated with the program, and the program seemed to work. And so they – you know, I thought it was fair that they gave him a reduced sentence, frankly, because he – he cooperated fully in the program. Now Bird maybe will be entered into the program and cooperate, but I think the severity of the crime he's being accused of is at a different level than what Reed was being accused of because of how how systematic of a of an assault it was over a long period of time that. You can't you can't use anger management necessarily as a uh, as an excuse for this. This was some sort of much more disturbing, deep seated attack, uh, allegedly uh, based on what was uh, what's out there right now. And then um, the the risk of that it posed to the victim's life was just apparently much more severe. So I think that's the kind of thing where silver. From my understanding of the policy, silver has completely broad powers to impose any sort of any sort of um, act, including expulsion from the league. Now, expulsion from the league seems to be intended for repeat offenders under the policy. But I don't I don't believe in my reading of the policy that it necessarily requires it to be a repeat offender. And it could just be a severe case where. The um, where the act is detrimental to the reputation of the league and I wouldn't be surprised if they exercise that on him. Now, he has to be convicted, I believe, for them to be yeah, able to so. do that. Yeah. So they have to wait. But the league is allowed – Commissioner Silver is allowed to impose an indefinite leave of absence. In the meantime, if they feel that – so the leave of absence, I believe, is – they're allowed to do so if they feel that him participating in the league would per, would uh, cause severe reputational damage to the league but i think it's also that they have to it has to be that um it would not interfere with his ability to mount a fair defense for himself in the court of law and i don't i don't believe imposing a leave of absence would do that so i think this commissioner has the right to do that he's imposing a leave of absence on himself which of course could just be that the commissioner or the team told them we're going to, we're going to suspend you or, Force you into leave of absence. You might as well just save face and do it yourself. So right. maybe that's what the case is. And his agent, Aaron Goodwin's really smart and knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, they hired Nixon peabody for a law firm, which was one of the biggest law firms in the city and the country, really. You know, his lawyer is a, is an elite lawyer. Uh, his lawyer actually was the number two prosecutor on the Whitey Bolger trial a few years back. So <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah so, Got to have him in your corner. So, so he is a really big time lawyer. Um, so they they know exactly what they're doing, and it, it's true. The best thing for him is to take a leave of absence because for him, it's not. This is not about saving his MBA career. I mean, the charges against him are so severe; he could be going to prison for you know for decades if if he's fully convicted. And they'll you know the the evidence that we have now has nothing on the detectives' investigation of what they found at the scene. Um, you know, if they find a, a mark on the wall, they can have enough. Um, they probably could have enough evidence right there to prove that he did assault her with a deadly weapon and impose a 10 year penalty. If they can convict on that charge right there. Um, and not to mention this, the whole discovery process could lead to a plea agreement where he pleads out and gets five years in prison just for that, where he probably gets out for two years after time served and good behavior and whatever. But the point is like, he's facing really ser- a really serious threat of jail time here. Um, it, it really comes down to whether or not the witness uh, the, uh, the victim is willing to be a cooperative witness that's how it tends to come down in these situations and we have no idea how that's going to play out hopefully she will be so that you know she could be protected and justice could be served in this case but you never know how that's going to play out and if that doesn't play out then maybe bird ends up finding his way back into the league and then the commissioner has to decide whether or not they want to ban them from the league, and it's really hard to ban somebody from the league if they've been acquitted on charges.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I, and the, again, the 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 key phrase there is making sure she's a cooperative witness to make sure this all goes you know somewhat smoothly here. Um. Yeah, it's just it's, it's disgusting to talk about, it's disgusting to think about, and I you know, but you, it's something we have to talk about. It's something like you know, this is the biggest storyline we've had, and it's really the only negative storyline we've had of the Brad Stevens tenure of the of the entire like.
0: Well, every- there was so- there's Solinger. Don't forget, Solinger was arrested for That's assaulting right. his girlfriend. Right. I forgot about that. You, but you know why you forgot about that? Because she, she didn't. She didn't want to press charges. Mm-hmm. Didn't cooperate as a witness, mm-hmm. and it disappeared really quickly. Yeah. well, there's, and,
1: the, there's the Avery thing that came out right after. I think he got traded, right?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't
1: remember the timeline I mean, on
0: that. It was. It was pretty soon after he got traded. Um, the, the one thing I will say about that is, while I don't know anything about the case in particular. And while it's, of course, very possible that he did sexually assault this person, it is it, it has been happening for a long time that people will threaten a player to to falsely claim that they were sexually assaulted and then get the player to provide them hush money so that they don't have that their reputation stained by that. So obviously I have no idea what the case is here, but I, do, I think it would be unfair to Nat- just assume he's guilty just because there was a settlement that got leaked out right
1: yeah you don't want to assume anything if you don't know yeah the answers to anything that's true
0: and um, there's no there's no evidence there while at least we have all of this evidence here in the bird case enough for us to you know be able to start make, to formulate some sort yeah, of make paper.
1: grand proclamations about you know his the rest of his career the rest of his life so to speak we can we can somewhat extrapolate as to what's going to happen here um i'll get you out of here on this because this seems to be the most I don't know like buzzworthy topic the past you know couple of days is you know a lot of people are assuming at this point that there will be an open roster spot when Jabari Bird, um, if and when or however this happens, like if you know, there's a lot of people are assuming there's going to be an open roster spot in the near future because Jabari it doesn't seem like he you know should uh, remain on the team in, in, in some in any capacity. Um, and the the big rumor is Jamal Crawford is a guy that's out there potentially that could fill that spot for for the season. You, you know, bring a veteran off the bench who can help some of the younger guys, you know, a good shooter, not, you know, I mean, zero defense, but a guy that can be a microwave off the bench, a lot of Gerald Green, but even be better at that, more efficient at that. Um, do you think they would go, let's just speak in hypotheticals here, Bird's gone, there's an open spot. Do you think they'd go there or keep that spot open and wait for the buyout market?
0: It's a really good question. Um, you know, they, I think they need the depth. Because you saw last year how vital depth is. But they have how, a ton are, of it
1: already. I, you know what I mean? Like, they already have a just a mountain of it. I mean, look at the have... top nine, top ten, top eleven guys. They're all – like, even Shemi Ojale, who people are going to forget about during the season because he's not going to play a ton. Like, he got really valuable minutes last year in crunch time of the playoffs against, like, Giannis. And he's going to come back in year two with a full offseason under his belt and be – you know, that defensive wing stopper they might need in that second unit to just come in and give them a spell.
0: But what I'm saying is that they really learned last year, how valuable having yeah. all yeah. every single roster spot filled right. is. Cause there were times where Shane Larkin was the starting point guard and he was like the fourth point guard on the roster. So have, filling that spot is really important, but at also at the same time, you don't need to fill it right away. You can fill it when you need to fill it. So I, I like the idea of them waiting for the buyout market. Um, it I think it mostly really depends on whether um what you know what they want to do with the luxury tax because you can fill that roster spot and then cut the player at the end of your bench if you want to and then go attack the buyout market. Um so or you could trade a player into into his face or into a trade exception. I mean there's there's a lot of options. So I don't think keeping the roster spot open for the buyout market is necessary, but it is, it is the easiest way to do it. You know, they did it last year and it worked out really well, for, well for them because they were able to, uh they were able to pounce on the guy that they wanted. I don't think Greg Monroe ended up because, you know, play being the player that they were hoping he would be for them. Although we did provide some value at, at certain points, but it was pretty inconsistent, but they at least were in position to pounce on the player that they wanted and they got him. So, you know, there's that, but, you know Jamal Crawford is he's really valuable for playoff teams who just need they just want to have somebody to carry them for a couple minutes in the third quarter or something like that and i think he could still do that to a certain degree but he, you know he's a, like this is probably going to be the last year of his career he's getting really close to the on there um i know that there there is mutual interest between the Celtics and Crawford that that i do know um the Celtics the Celtics didn't make an offer to him he's been kind of you know, waiting for the right situation to materialize. Uh that's why he's holding out to you know, training camp basically. And I think he just he wants to be in a position to win a championship. And so he's wants to sign on with one of these title teams. I don't know if he's willing to wait all the way until the buyout market season opens, but and maybe he'll maybe he'll latch on with the team and there's plenty of teams that'd be happy to have him. But I think Crawford wants to be on a title winner because he knows his career is pretty close to the end. And you know the team is always looking for more three-point shooting. That's always something that they're going to value. They have a good amount of it, but they always could use more, and they probably do need more. And Crawford's somebody that he's. You know, when you look at their bench, Rogier is the only guy that's a good, you know, ball handler that can also shoot the ball. Um, that I can think of off the top of my head. I guess Morris, you could probably give that to as well. And then Wanamaker, we'll see. Uh, he should be, but we'll we'll see how he performs. I don't have. I don't really have a baseline expectation for him yet.
1: The Athletics, Jared Weiss. That'll do it. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, man. And that'll do it for this episode of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Today's show powered by Casper and by Boston Barber and Two Company. A couple of thank yous to hand out. Jared Weiss, of course, from The Athletic, my guest for today. Also, Adam Kaufman, who'll be back next week. Nick Gelso, the CEO of the network. Larry H. Russell. Uh, John Zanis as well. A big thank you to you guys. You guys continue to be the greatest people of all time, right? I mean, it doesn't get any better than you guys, that's for sure. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes and on Stitcher and follow us along on YouTube, CLNS Media on YouTube. Uh, we post a bunch of stuff there, Celtics Related, all the press conferences, all, you know, if Garden Report, you name it, Celtics Related, we got it. Okay, so make sure you subscribe on YouTube. We'll see you guys next week, right here, Celtics Beat on CLNS Media.